Welcome to the EFC Podcast. Hi, I'm Karen Stiller from Faith Today Magazine. I met author Anne Voskamp recently uh, in the lobby of the Park Hyatt Hotel in downtown Toronto. It was the last day of her uh, exhausting media tour for her new release, The Broken Way. Anne um, sort of broke into the Christian publishing scene with her book, 1,000 Gifts, that uh, was about her learning to show gratitude. And that book was on the New York Times bestseller list for a long time. In fact, it may actually still be. And it's now uh, been joined there by The Broken Way. So I met Anne, uh, and we had a very good conversation to print for Faith Today magazine. I had my iPhone with me, and I don't always record my interviews, but with Anne, I was really glad I did, because as you will soon hear, she's a very fast talker and has lots of wonderful things to say. So because the recording came out pretty well, we thought, why not use it for a podcast and just give people who are such close and dedicated followers of Anne's work a chance to really hear her and hear the warmth and the heart and the wonderful mind behind uh, 1,000 Gifts and the Broken Way. So we hope you enjoy this. Thrilled to be home. Yeah. Well, I loved the book. Oh, thanks. I grace. really, really, really enjoyed it a I, lot. Very, very difficult to write a book to follow up after 1,000 Gifts. Oh, I wouldn't goodness. wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. So I feel like I've lived through the hardest. I feel bulletproof now. <laughs> and I can just continue on with writing without expectations yeah. anymore. So I feel free in lots of ways. When you start, I'm a writer yeah. too, yeah, yep. so I'm just curious. When you start, when you wrote this, yeah. um, were you? did you know where you were going? Uh, by the end? No. <laughs> and I think that was the hardest part. By the time I, the last chapter to me should have been the middle of the book in so many oh, ways for me. And I realized I want to take notes. I, I, I wanna... I, it seemed to be the, the epiphany that was so profound to me. And my editor said, the reason your readers want to do life with you is because you're authentic and honest about the entire journey and how messy yeah. it is. Don't make this neat and packaged. Yeah. The story continues now from the epiphany you landed at, and it took all of that circuitous route <laughs> to get to that epiphany. So did I know where I was going? I knew that... I knew the broken way was the other was the other half of One Thousand mm. Gifts Heart. I knew the two were were sister books in lots of ways. Okay. The story continued. I'm back to the Lord's Supper. I'm back to mm. the, the Last Supper. That what did Jesus do? He took the bread. He gave thanks. Eucharisteo. That's what One Thousand Gifts explored. Yeah. Then what does he do with that? He doesn't consume the gift. He doesn't hoard the gift. He takes the bread and he breaks it and gives it. So after mm. counting a thousand gifts, Nadoha. So I become the gift in the midst of my own brokenness. Yeah. So um, I knew that part, but did I know what... And sometimes you think it's going to look a certain way. Right. And as you start to incarnate and, and flesh the gospel, it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> and and your, own, your own brokenness gets caught up in that. And, um, and circumstances arise. And it, the road... But I think... That's what readers want. They don't mm. want didactic doctrine yeah, <laughs> preached yeah. at them. I think theology that's only preached at from behind a pulpit and not enfleshed, incarnate, it's stillborn. <laughs> it actually has to, you have to put feet on these things. So I think um, wrestling it out was, was part of how you, you do the journey with people. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't neat, <laughs> but I hope it was honest and raw and real and invited readers in 
it's exactly that. Yeah, no, I, it is. It is. Um, you talk about in the church, and just, mm. I mean, the whole thing about the being vulnerable mm. and risking mm-hmm. and being open about our brokenness. Mm-hmm. Why do we, why are we still afraid of that mm. in the church? Oh, why do we, we still present this we perfect? Are. I think part of it is culture around us. Mm. Pop, I mean, there's nuances and layers to this, but part of it is the culture around us avoid suffering, mm. avert suffering, bury it, numb it, escape it, do whatever it takes to avoid suffering. It's not just culture. It's how we're wired. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody really wants to participate in the sufferings of Christ, participate in the sufferings of the world, or face their own suffering and pain and brokenness. I think um, I also believe that so much dysfunction is a function of trying to avoid brokenness mm. and suffering and that and I think we come to Jesus in a vulnerable place being willing to say I'm broken and I need you Jesus but then after that for some mm. reasons we think we have to be pull ourselves up by our bootstraps instead of saying no Jesus now holds me okay <laughs> um, and we stick on masks and, and wearing the masks what ultimately gets masked is Christ gets masked <laughs> And if the church, the broken way really is a dare to live a life of humility, of vulnerability, of generosity. Yeah. To get to where we, we all deep, like a, that end point of deep intimacy, connection, and communion, not only with Christ, but with other people. But the pathway to get there starts with breaking the masks, mm. <laughs> um, breaking open our own hearts and vulnerability living broken and giving through generosity. So it really is, the broken way is so paradoxical and upside down. Not only to culture, we like the pathway of least resistance. Yeah, yeah. And the broken way isn't, but I think it's upside down kingdom. I think if you look at, I mean, it's the cover of the book and as the farmer's wife is what I most <laughs> relate to. A seed, before it brings forth new life, it has to be broken, it has to be crushed. It looks like destruction. Mm-hmm. And I think we... We want change. We want transformation. We want growth. Those are the endpoints we're trying to get to. But the only way to get to that is through brokenness. And when we, we circumvent the brokenness, we never get to the change and the transformation and the growth. Okay. So I think um, yeah. I think it's a call to go ahead and, I mean, again, I said it over and over again in the book, and it sort of has been <laughs> become my refrain, don't be afraid of broken things. Yeah. This is how Christ is re- resurrecting things. This is how he's redeeming things. This is how he's making a new thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I did, I realized, by the time I got to the end of the book, I realized not only is he calling me to live cruciform, to live broken and given, I realized everything I was afraid of in life was I was afraid of a broken thing. Mm-hmm. And that I think that the church believes in the power of the cross, we sort of we, we neuter it we, we, we make it impotent when we don't believe in the resurrection we don't believe that abundance comes out of brokenness mm-hmm. we don't believe that the, the way the cosmos is made is death and then resurrection right. um, so I, th- I think I, I realized that if what I was really afraid I wasn't trusting in resurrection out of broken places and now if I can if Christ is drawn to brokenness, if Christ is attracted to brokenness, we in the church need to be drawn to brokenness because we trust that resurrection can happen in those places. And I think, um, I think for me, the visual has really become: if I want, if I want deep transformation in my life, I need to live 
authentic cruciformation in my life. That my life, I mean, it really is. The cross really has become the picture of 1,000 gifts in the broken way for me. Yeah. If, if 1,000 gifts was about Eucharisteo, giving thanks for all the gifts, that's that vertical beam of the cross. All the gifts go down, all my gratitude goes back to him. But then yeah. what do you do with that? You live out into koinonia, which is what the broken way is exploring. You live, we, we think koinonia just means fellowship, right. but you can't get to fellowship without a sharing, without a you breaking off part of you and you breaking off part of you without living like bread broken and mm-hmm. given. And not just out of the strong places of our life, but what do you do with your own broken heart? You, you give it away. Yeah. <laughs> and there's deep fellowship and communion in that. So I think for me, I'm just, I think if the church can press into not being afraid of brokenness and and lived cruciform, the, the pairing of Eucharisteo and Koinonia, which comes back to the... Sorry, I'm making no, you no, write like no, crazy. No, no, I am <laughs> You're recording, you're good. This it's work. Work. <laughs> I think I came back to realizing the power of the word given. Yeah. For God so loved the world, he did what he gave. So 1,000 Gifts was looking at how do I live a life of thanksgiving? The broken way, so thanksgiving, the broken way is how do I look at living a life given, yeah. not only to a broken-hearted world, but also it's, it's being given to him, living in a posture of surrender, living in a posture of sacrifice, living in a posture of service. So I think I really realized between the two books, realizing that whatever situation I am, the word I want to sit with is, is given. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Because look, look at all those words. Life-giving, forgiving, care-giving, thanksgiving, all of this comes around that so much transformational power in her that we can experience comes out of, of the word we don't want to step into, givenness. We want to go like this, mm. but the only life we ultimately get is the one we give yeah. away. Yeah. I loved your story of your birthday. And actually, yeah. I read that on the morning of my birthday. <laughs> Crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so perfect. What you did with your kids. And I think the tendency and the default is when we feel like failures, when we feel broken, when depression is sort of pressing in on the fringes of things. Yeah. Our tendency, my tendency, anyways, is to get really myopic mm. and, and insular and. and and withdraw and pull the covers up over my head and say, okay, the world can just go on without me today. Yes. I've got nothing to give. Yeah. But if I can, and I think burnout happens if we think we can give in and of it ourselves. Okay. But if I stay in, if I stay given to him, if I stay, because that's what you're talking about all the time, it's communion with him, it's intimacy with him, and then only out of him do I have anything to give at all. Yeah. Um, choosing to, to be the gift and not not pay it forward. Right. Because <laughs> I don't think we can pay back the universe. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's a gift, right? Yeah. Everything's grace. Yeah. All I can do is take the grace and give it forward. Okay. And That's I receive very the, different, isn't it? It is. It's, an, it's a yeah. different way of thinking that, because it, 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 it's a counteraction against the thinking of, I have done all of this. Right. So then I can now pay it back. None of us like feeling indebted in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. So I'll, I'll pay it back. Um, but if we live in a posture of, I can give it forward, mm. it's not, and I guess I've really realized out of all of this, how much of my, and I continue to do it, <laughs> I'm a woman of chronic soul amnesia, <laughs> um, I live, but the economy, that's how the economics works around us, that's how culture works, this whole idea of this myth of scarcity. Yeah, yeah. 
And if I can, if I can destroy the myth of scarcity and live into the mystery of abundance, that because I have Christ, He is infinite. There is always enough. Right. Then I can go ahead and give it forward today in such small ways. And it was so eye-opening for me. I had started the day, that birthday, just, just literally feeling I had failed in so many ways. I really was on the brink. And that midlife crisis has sort of unraveled itself at the same mm-hmm. time. But just realizing, if I can choose to give it forward, to be the gift, yeah. and focus on, on other people, and meeting their brokenness in really small, simple ways. You do encounter a kind of communion, a kind of connecting, a kind of intimacy that's so fulfilling. And it takes, I mean, you're back to Isaiah 58, which we had read as a family for a full month. If you spend your life on behalf of those who are needy, oppressed, in the dark, Mm. spend it on them, then you find that your light rises. Yeah, a well-watered garden. Right, <laughs> which is exactly what I encountered. And it's so counterculture, and it, it's just so easy. I understand, oh, I deeply understand right now where I'm at. Feeling burnt out. Yeah. I've got nothing left to give. I need, I need more before I can pour out anything. And it's just, I'm back to that story with the rabbi saying, you know, if you want more, yes. the only way to get more into the bottle is to pour out. So counterintuitive. Yeah. But what we've really been experiencing, living in the last year, adopting a little girl from China with a broken heart. Shiloh's been home with us for seven months. At the same time, we as a family worked with the MCC and private sponsorship of a Syrian refugee family. Mm. And you realize, like, my husband is like, my, we're pulled thin we're yeah, thin. Yeah, yeah. but in the thin places okay. we have ex- experienced God mm. and the story is profoundly more fulfilling yeah. <laughs> living this way but we also realize that both of us are really bought into that if you live, we're living a good Christian life mm. it looked neat it looked okay. tidy it looked together yeah. <laughs> and we have realized that living cruciform living upside down kingdom <laughs> It's messy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not neat. Um, do, you, do people, we did, in my women's Bible yeah, study, yeah. we did, a, I don't know how many DVD series you have, but yeah. we did one of them. Yeah. And a couple of the women yeah. felt intimidated yeah. by how beautiful it all was. <laughs> yes. I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> well, let me tell you, they make the next one look beautiful too. <laughs> we did it in broken places. I think um, I think 1,000 Gifts really was about, can you look for the beauty? Okay. Can you see the beautiful? Yeah. Can you see that there is beauty all around us if we'll slow down mm-hmm. and see that there is, there is, I'm going to talk about 1,000 Gifts, there's the ugly beautiful. Can you go ahead and see that there is beauty even in the mess and the chaos? Yeah. That can look intimidating. I think in a broken way. I've tried to be really intentional about destroying any pedestals and any platforms. I think you remedied it. I, I, I really that. did. <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard it and I thought, oh goodness, please understand, my default is not Pollyanna and my life is yeah. messy and crazy. Yeah, okay. I, it was an intentional habit of trying okay. to become a grateful person, not because it came Got naturally it. to me, but because it was so unnatural to me. Yeah. My husband, once we were in a Bible study group, and it was like one of those icebreakers, and everyone had to write down what was their pet peeve. And then we read them around the table. 
<laughs> and tried to guess whose was who. And my husband had written on his, his on his pet peeve was living with ungrateful people. <laughs> and oh, I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's me. Like my, yeah. it's I've had yeah. to be so intentional yeah. about my default is, is cynicism, yeah. perfectionism, and those things. Living in a broken world, it's, it's easy to see the dark. Yeah. It's the brilliant yeah. who look for the light. Yeah. And that looks like, oh, you're just being Pollyannish. No, you are choosing to have a focus. Yeah. For me, um, that's fair. So yeah. much of photography for me is the art of subtraction, which oh, I think okay. mirrors faith. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to choose to focus on? You're a beautiful photographer. I, I'm not. I, I, I don't know anything. I, for me, it really is this, a spiritual discipline okay. for me yeah. to go ahead and choose, because it's not my default. My default is to go, oh my goodness, the house is a mess. Oh my goodness, we haven't accomplished what we need to accomplish. Oh my goodness, the to-do list isn't okay. done. Having a, a camera lens there is me saying, what is good? What is mm. pure? What is lovely? What is right? Okay. See grace in this moment. See God yeah. in this moment. Um, but also, that can become part of the problem of we're all wearing masks. That right, this is all perfect. Right, yeah. And the broken way is to say, you know what? The only people that are, are think the masks work are you. Everybody else <laughs> sees the mask as flimsy. They see that we're hypocritical. Okay. They see that there's brokenness in your own life. And it's also, if we don't tear off the mask, why in the world would a broken, broken-hearted people come into the church? Yeah, We've got yeah. nothing for them then. So I think the broken way was about being really intentional. Here is my rawness. Yeah. Here is my brokenness. Yeah. I am down in the trenches with you, but yeah. please know that looking for for the goodness in life, I do that in the midst of the brokenness okay. of my life. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you may find this funny. We were with the, this one particular moment in the Bible study yeah. came when you were kneading bread. Yeah, yeah. And you had poured olive oil. Oh, yes. And they make the light all look beautiful. <laughs> this is and what this, this is what a camera does. <laughs> a woman who like I'm a minister's yeah. wife and she yeah. is a minister's wife as well. And she all of a sudden she just blurted out, Who keeps her olive oil in a mason jar? <laughs> Actually we really did. I'm but it sure was it was grimy and grubby and it had fingerprints all over it. Oh. Um, and it would have been because and you need to tell her this. Okay. The reason it was in a mason jar is because I had lost the lid to the actual oh, olive jar. The, okay. the oil jar lid. Um, but we ha- it broke when she said that it broke it open. And, and I, we all I had think, a big laugh. I think um and I think that's part of, I think as Christian leaders, yeah. we are responsible for trying to destroy the platforms yeah. and the pedestals. Um, and that means you, you have to take the broken way. You have to have right. enough humility to live into the vulnerability yeah. of saying, hey, I am choosing to look for beauty, but let me tell you that I cut all the way through my teen years yeah. and I'm in my yeah. 40s and I still struggle on hard days with the temptation to self-harm. Yeah. I still have to preach gospel back to myself. Yeah. Um, I feel like a profound failure as a mother so many days. So think, um, but then that the responsibility of your community, yeah. they're held responsible also for not putting you on a platform. Absolutely. And not putting yes. you on a pedestal. So yes. it goes both yeah. ways all of point. the time. Yeah. Um, good point. But, but the onus really has to be on the... 
But you've totally I've tried to. I've really tried to say, look, I'm busted and broken, yeah. but that doesn't disqualify you from being a world changer. Right. Because the busted and broken can be the ones that are most empathetic yeah. with those who are brokenhearted. Um, Let me ask you about the leaking squash. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. And I came home to a mess of epic proportions, which my husband has worked really hard this time that I don't come home <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, and pro- I know there's yeah, more yeah. to the story yes, than you shared. Yes, there is. But I felt at the t- when I read it, I thought, yeah, but you uh, need compassion too. I like, do, and they- and I think the story also with Joshua not bringing the, uh, the keys, keys in, yeah. okay, yeah. and talking about you know what, part of that story is part of it is to say, look, I think we, if we as the parent, need to lead with humility and vulnerability, yeah, to bring relationship back and create a safe place for the child to go ahead. And also be to step into humility and vulnerability and say, I blew it. Then after that moment, you can go ahead and work out what does responsibility look like? Okay. okay. <laughs> what, 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 so, Fair enough. So it's not, it's about not blowing your stack at the moment. And I have a tendency, okay. my default is to blow my stack, okay. which escalates the situation and right. polarizes and, and makes it an antagonistic environment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I've Me done too. it way too many times. <laughs> okay. So it's about, Wait a second. How can I live the broken way? How can I go lower in this situation? Which, which you can go ahead and say, wait a second, I don't need to go lower. But in some ways, I have failed you. I have done things wrong. How can I go ahead and flip this? And if I go lower, it creates a safe place for the child to go, okay, I'm modeling it for them, right? Yeah, yeah. For them to step into the broken way and say, okay, this is how I blew it too. Okay. And I think it's over and over again. I'm back to what my, it's modeling what my mama said a million times. It's not that you aren't going to blow it. It's what you do with it afterwards. Yeah. So to model that for the kids, I think, and I just see it over and over and over again, relationships. What one small way can I step into humility and Mm. vulnerability to get to intimacy? And it's really easy to hold the ground of, you're wrong in this situation and I am right. But if I can take even one small step to show my own humility and vulnerability, we can get to the shortest distance between two hearts is brokenness. So whatever brokenness I can bring to the table will help us through humility and vulnerability to get to the intimacy and the connection. Yeah. I loved what you talked about lament too, because yeah. I think, um, yeah. especially in the evangelical yeah. subculture, yeah. we don't honor lament. And you talked about an outrage that still trusts in God's good outcome. Yes. I yes. was just like, highlight, highlight. And I think I, think I really wanted to talk about... I spent the last five, six years talking about Eucharist and giving thanks. But our God is big enough to take our grief, to take our brokenness. For the church, the church has to be a safe place to practice not only gratitude, but the art of lament. We look at David and all of those psalms, and he, he encapsulates Eucharist and gratitude and worship. But those psalms start off with that, that art of lament. Yes. And I think they start off with sharing, this is my brokenness, this is my, my anger, my rage, and this is, this is me being profoundly vulnerable with my broken heart. Mm. And we, if we take that broken way of lament, he gets to the practice of gratitude, the practice of yeah. Eucharist Deo. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think um, we do great damage to people when we, we slap on cliches mm. of be grateful, yeah. um, 
you, you will get to gratitude when you see how the Lord meets you. In your, as you're vulnerable with your brokenness, how he meets you in the brokenness, you get to gratefulness yeah. through that experience. And that is the rhythm of the Psalms. You're right. It they is over like, and oh. over again. <laughs> and I think, um, I think to see that, so if, if it, I mean, really, the Last Supper flips it, right? Here's my gratitude, and mm-hmm. it's broken and given, mm-hmm. and the Psalms are the other way. So whichever way you get to it, the two go together. Joy and sorrow, the two arteries of the same heart that beats yeah. with God. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think the two books, whichever way you come to it, yeah. I think if 1,000 Gifts was a theology of joy, Broken Way is theology of suffering. And, and, and the two, you, you will, you'll get to the... You'll get to joy through brokenness, and in the midst of your joy, you will experience suffering, and and the joy transcends the emotion of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about, and I'm I'm aware of your time. Yeah, you're doing great. Thinking about how we comfort other people. Yeah. Yeah. And in my my experience in the church is that people are so uncomfortable Mm. with suffering, and they don't know how to just show up. So I wonder if you could show up. tell just our readers what show to do. Up. Okay. I think um, there are two ideas in the book that one I hate when people this is random sidebar. Yeah, yeah. I hate when people use the word passion to mean what are you passionate about? Mm. Wait, do you know what the word passionate means? It means what are you willing to suffer for? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. And, so, and what does compassion mean? Mm. We want to be compassionate people. The character that you see most attributed to Christ in the New Testament, he was compassionate, moved with compassion. What is that? Co-suffering. So if we have the church, we like the idea of being compassionate, but are we willing to co-suffer with other people? And I think sometimes we we make that into, again, us. What do I have to, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do in these yeah. situations. And I really believe, um, especially after I... I sat with the women, the refugee women, the Yazidi women in Iraq in a shipping container who had witnessed their husbands, their sons, their brothers murdered by ISIS in front of them and had to choose. They only have two arms. Which of their two children could they scoop up and escape to Sinjar Mountain away from ISIS and which of their children they literally lost? Um, you're, You're sitting with... For me, the most profound grief I had ever encountered face to face. And realizing that, really, I believe that in the deepest grief, words should be the fewest. Mm. You don't need to say anything. That in um, shared tears is multiplied healing. I think we, we just sit with people and weep with people. That water's a kind of communion, a kind of healing. So I think sometimes we just, I say in the, in the broken way, witness breaks brokenness. Mm. God is who? Emmanuel. God with us. Sometimes we say we want an explanation for suffering as much. But really we don't want an explanation as much as we want to experience someone with us yeah. in the suffering. So I think then we don't need to say anything as much as we just need to be with people in the suffering. Okay. I'm just here. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's 
Witness is so powerful because it's, again, witness so close to that word witness. Mm. We just want to be seen and known. I'm not alone in this. And then the need sort of arise just from being with you. Oh, I could get you this right now. I could do this for you right Mm. now. But we, please, Lord, keep us from being Job's friends. (laughs) We don't need explanations as much as they want to experience God and we get to be the hands and feet and heart of Christ. And that's just being with someone and not necessarily saying anything at all. Yeah, showing up again. Yeah. Uh, I think when we show up, Jesus shows up in the the middle of all of that. We don't let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do in all of that. Just come with our little cup of light. Come with the the light of Christ to somebody and just, yeah, be present. So that the ever-present Christ can be seen. That's all. That ministry of presence, I think, is so much more powerful in lots of ways. That's just the witness. We don't need to say anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and listening, like I yes, I found as a minister's wife, like I do, yes. I do a lot of listening, because I think people, it's like I'm their last listening resort. <laughs> and I think to be in that posture of listening, is just so much more meaningful for to people than mm-hmm. us speaking anything. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let me. <laughs> Uh, this idea of how we woo God was really—I'll tell I'm you still when it happened. Figure it out when you when you t- <laughs> tell me about it. Because when the when the man said it to me, I was like, "Wait!" And this was just a guy in your church, right? It was a guy. It actually, it was about New Tribes Missions. Okay. On a Sunday afternoon, um, the missionaries all go out to what they used to call boot camp. So it was sort of like an open house to see what them all living out jungle camp now is what they call it. Okay. Um, so what they might look like out, out in the field. So it was on a Sunday, and we knew him from Woodside Bible Fellowship um, in Elmira. And he stopped, and he talked about 1,000 gifts and what it meant to him and how God woos us. And then he had turned to me and said, how do you woo God? And it was like, I, I when we walked out of the woods, I was, I was just, it so struck me. Can we do that? Like, what does that yeah. look like? Yeah. And you're coming back to... When I give a glass of cold water, giving it to you, Christ. Like, I think 1,000 Gifts was about the only way I can bless God is to give him thanks. Okay. And I think, um, I think the broken way was saying the only way you can woo God is to give yourself okay. back to him. Yeah. Back to the world. And really what you're giving isn't in and of yourself. When you're in deep union and intimacy and communion with Christ... It's all him being given back to him, right? But I think it's you're back to just how do I live in a posture of constant givenness? Uh-huh. And I think that that's the only way to woo God at all. And the language is startling, but I think sometimes the theology is the same as it's always been. It doesn't yeah. change. Yeah. But sometimes when we use different words, it it does startle us uh-huh. awake in different ways to go, oh. If I put new language to this, it's the same thing to do lists or to love lists, right? It's if I can if I can think in terms of relationship mm-hmm. and intimacy, that changes how I view maybe obedience yeah. and service. If I think, well, this is wooing God, is <laughs> um draws me into communion, which I think is what we we all feel abandoned in so many ways. And what we want is deep connection. So I think that word communion is so powerful mm-hmm. in terms of what what we really want to experience in life. Yeah. 
Let me ask you, and this will be my yeah, last yeah. question. Let's um, hope I know anything to say. <laughs> Please be in the, the gaps and the places I've fallen short in this conversation. No, you believe yeah. me, this is wonderful. Um, this, I, the idea of protecting yourself, oh. because as and I... And this is true. Yep, I yep, did, yep, yep. And I have struggled with that as a minister's yep. wife, too, thinking, well, I... Actually, and there's a great book I just finished that you would love, I think, Visions of Vocation, I think it's called. Okay. And he talks about... When you know, then yes. you must respond. Yes. I think... How do you I, not I think there's... Die? <laughs> there's... And we talked a lot, uh, my freelance editor and I, but what does this last chapter look like? Because, um... Yes, you want to live a cruciform life. Mm-hmm. Yes, you want to live given. Yes, that's going to feel like a thousand little deaths. Yes, that's going to look like crucifixion be painful sometimes. Yeah. Yes, there's... There's real problems that I realized so much of my life was about self-protectionism. And I think he's calling you to break down those walls and live broken and given. But at the same time, you need to be in deep union okay. and intimacy and communion with him. Listen to the Holy Spirit to say, this is a safe person. This is a stego person. Okay. Otherwise, and this is so much, there's no formula to this. Mm-hmm. It, it comes from deep communion with Christ because it, there's there's toxic people out there that yeah. it might not be a good idea to give your one broken heart to. <laughs> but at the same time, I think we lean so far towards self-protectionism with everybody yeah. Yeah. that I think um, we don't want to be broken. We don't want to step into that broken way of humility and vulnerability and generosity with our own broken heart that we miss out on what could be a profoundly intimate ex- healing experience. And this, this plays itself out in broken marriages. This plays itself out in broken relationship with our own parents, in community, in broken churches. So this is the principle yeah. of living broken and given, of living cruciform. But at the same time, the living cruciform, it means you have to press into Christ and say, is this a safe place to do this? And not always, And again, even using the word safe, is that that self-protectionism again? Mm. So I say, Lord, I want to live a cruciform life. I want to live broken and given. And there's going to be pain involved in that. But I'm asking you, is this where you want me to live cruciform? Or this isn't a safe place in terms that you would be revealed in this, that actually if I go ahead and I live cruciform, it's actually going to create more dysfunction. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think the Holy Spirit, I don't, I, and I've tried, but have I failed? <laughs> None of this happens without deep communion and intimacy with Christ. Mm-hmm. To, to, to know this is the way, walk in it. This is your broken way. And it doesn't come from formula. And I think... And I hope I'm concerned, <laughs> but I pray because we did talk a lot with editors in that last chapter. What is that balance between self-protectionism and giving away your one broken heart? And I pray that only the Holy Spirit can do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that's good. I mean, I think, I think we know that answer. We do. I think to move slowly and to stay in close communion with Christ and then to also know that Okay, this is vulnerable. <laughs> 1,000 gifts. 
I took a million arrows for that book. And there are deep scars where I felt like I laid my heart out on the table in profoundly intimate ways, especially with the last chapter that was profoundly misinterpreted mm. by other people. Mm. Um, and I felt like I shared my broken heart and it wasn't a safe place to share yeah. it. I should have pulled it back. But you know what? To the universe. Yeah. <laughs> in lots of ways, yes. And it felt like it felt like a spear to the side, a thorn in the side that I I still carry. Yeah. Um, but even if we take the misstep of sharing our heart in places yeah. that it wasn't maybe safe. Yeah. I can testify God can turn even that into grace and to a gift. So if you take a misstep and you give yeah. your broken heart to somebody and it wasn't safe, He will redeem even that yeah. as it makes you wiser, as it makes you more sensitive, as it keeps you more humble, as it, as it causes you to do deep soul work with Him to process that yeah. whole experience. And so, probably be more careful with other people, too. When they yes, and I was, I was more careful when I wrote this book to try to explain better, to, to, to try to, to, to flesh out the nuances better, and also to realize, you know what? You're going to take arrows. Yeah, yeah. You're going to bear scars. Yeah. And, and God is enough. You get to press your scars into his scars and get to say, you know what? You belong to me. You yeah. took arrows. You know what brokenness is about because you've been wounded and I'm the wounded healer. So I think... Um, I think there's even grace and gift in misstepping with our one broken heart. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.